Green Thumbs Rejoice. It's the Bob Olin Show, brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located in Dan's Feed Bin in Superior. The WLFSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig. Now, KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to uh, the 26th of April with snow showers and temps in the 20s. Who would have thunk it? Oh, what a thunk it. This one's really, we're getting off to a cool start. There's no doubt about that, Dave. Yeah, I uh, I just hope that spring isn't canceled altogether, but we'll have to wait and see. Probably going to be compressed somewhat, but you know, we've had these kind of uh, Aprils and early springs before, mm-hmm. and it just seems as if uh, all of a sudden it changes, and that's what I'm assuming is going to happen as well. Once again, snow, <laughs> I listened to your forecast, various places, snow, I guess, slurries yeah. down there in Cloquet, and uh, actually, we've got some in the uh, greater Duluth-Spirier area as well, so it's uh, it's bizarre. It's really strange. Yeah, we even had a trace on the ground and uh, melting off the roads, it looks like, but uh, still, uh, I see it on the grassy surfaces yet downtown. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit downtown, a little bit up over the hill, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's very unusual. There's no doubt about it. There have been times, not too many years ago, when we were doing a lot of planting already. Now we're just kind of waiting for things to dry out a little bit. Uh, we can uh, touch on that. We don't want to jump the gun uh, too fast in mm-hmm. your uh, gardens. Uh, we've got a lot of moisture, which is good at this yeah. point. Dave, we've talked about that. And, you know, we're hearing some of the national forecasts where we've got wildfires already out the Colorado area, a little early for that, and not much of a snowpack in the mountains, Sierra Nevadas, mm-hmm. and they're concerned about irrigation, water supplies, and so forth. So I think going to be a hot, dry year. looks like they're getting off to a start. We may be the exception probably in all of the uh, lower 48 United States here where we've got cool conditions and uh, plenty of moisture at this point. But that's all good for us, really. And you're still calling uh, the National Weather Service anyway, uh, calling for what, a hot and dry summer yet here in the Twin Ports? Yeah. They really uh-huh. are. They're, st- they're staying <laughs> to that, at least for what they call a uh, meteorological summer. Uh-huh. I think that uh, May may be average, they're saying. Uh, precipitation uh-huh. in May average, which is, should be okay. Hopefully uh, we can get a little little extra moisture out of that to get things started. We've got good moisture in the ground, but the rest of the summer they're saying not extreme, but nonetheless uh, slightly above average in terms of temperatures and slightly below average in terms of moisture. So uh, we're probably going to be uh, featuring some of our warm season crops, the tomatoes, the melons, the uh, peppers again this year. So that's kind of what we're preparing for and kind of hoping they're wrong this time, Dave. How'd your big extravaganza go over the weekend? Oh, boy, did we have a nice day. Lots nice. of folks turned out. Yeah, we had close to 150 people total wow. out there, and it was uh, in a very, very full room and uh, tremendous speakers. Everybody, you know, I kind of put that thing together. We help from a lot of folks, and everybody did their job. Everybody showed <laughs> up. Uh, all of our outside speakers were there and enthusiastic. Uh, we had a tremendous number of displays, and I'll mention uh, the West Virginia Western Lake Superior Sanitary District was there in their full glory. Glory. They contributed some nice door prizes, including uh, some certificates for their uh, Garden Green compost product. So, on the whole, we had a full, very, very full day. We ran most of the day there, and uh, people were kind of enthused. It was a wet, dreary day as well, and maybe that uh, <laughs> that accounted for some of the uh, the nice turnout. Going to be a lot of gardening again this year. I'm getting that from all of our seed suppliers and so forth. It's going to be a great big year once we get started here, Dave. Yeah, speaking of seeds, you handed out what? Uh, sunflower seeds, right? Yeah, we really did. Uh, three different types. You know, I can't do uh, 
just one, so I was mm-hmm. kind of torn between a couple. So they got a uh, <laughs> they got a variety just for oil production, and you know we do have a million acres of sunflower being produced. And of course, the significance of this really is that the sunflower is the national flower of Ukraine. Also happens to be the national flower of Russia, but we'll we'll bypass that <laughs> part of it. But nonetheless. Uh, very substantial crop for them. It's a big oil crop there as well as a nut seed crop. Um, you know, they actually, the sunflower, very interesting history. That's the fun thing about putting some of this together. I really didn't know a great deal about sunflowers mm-hmm. until I uh, decided to kind of dedicate the the day to the Ukrainian people and uh, hope to get their democracy back and independence uh, back there. We all have our hearts uh, with them on this whole uh, effort that they're going through. Nonetheless, um, Sunflowers became predominant there because uh, the Orthodox Church at that point, when they forbid the use of uh, animal lards and, and other oils uh, during Lent, uh, sunflowers had just recently been introduced. came out of the southwestern part of the United States, down into Mexico. Spaniards came here and picked them up, brought them back to Europe, and when they were looking for an oil alternative, suddenly they realized they, they could squeeze some of the seeds from the sunflower plant. So it became a huge oil crop first there, and now it's come back here in the United States. You know, it's one of the, uh, uh, the the very soluble oils that people are looking for now. And we have over a million acres in production in North and South Dakota. So I'm assuming that that, uh, that oil seed production will be perhaps even increased this year because there is going to be a shortage of sunflower oil uh, throughout the world. Everything gets global now, you know, David. It gets shipped right. all over the place all the time. And uh, because of the lack of sunflower oil production coming out of, of you, Ukraine, uh, and specifically uh, the price of olive oil, I understand, in Europe has jumped rather dramatically as wow. people run around and search for substitutes. We should be fine right here. We've got, of course, uh, plenty of sunflower oil. We're importing the olive oil, so we might say if you're a real big olive oil fan, and i got to admit I like some of that on the salads, uh, mm-hmm. might not be a bad idea to, to buy a little bit of that uh, before the price increase gets here as well, Dave. Well, thanks to you, there'll be a lot more sunflowers here in the Twin Ports growing this uh, summer. Well, we want to encourage everyone, and yeah. of course, the seeds available many places. And uh, I hope all of our participants get out there and get that seed planted. You know, uh, we did uh, tell them because we have, you know, had a great uh, group, and uh, we get a lot of questions from the public. And the mm-hmm. concern was squirrels eating them, chipmunks <laughs> eating the seed in the ground. Oh boy! And uh, how do we take care of that problem? Well, you can get them planted. You want to wait a little bit. You know, soils are going to be very cool. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wait until we plant these until maybe uh, early to mid-June when things begin to warm up a little bit. And uh, then we do have uh, these critters out there that uh, probably watching you as you plant them. I know I've observed <laughs> that in my case, planting a few crops with real fleshy seeds. It's those, yeah. those crops with fleshy seeds, they don't bother with the lettuce. You're just setting the table the for them, Bob. Right. That's what, they were, yeah. that's what we're apparently doing. Well, you want to drag perhaps some screen on the top until it germinates. Once we get it germinated, we get that sprout out, then most of the energy of the seed is gone. We don't have too much trouble. So if you have that as an issue, you might want to uh, protect them that way. The other thing that you could do with your uh, sunflower seed and some other things, you could start them inside. Now, you want to be a little careful. If you're going to transplant mid-June, you might want to start uh, not any earlier than the first part of June because they have very, very tender root systems. And uh, you're going to have to transplant those out. And if that root system is very large, uh, then we're going to break quite a bit of it off as we're putting it into the ground. And they uh, they take a while to recover from that. So I would say maybe a week, uh, maybe 10 days 
prior to when you're going to set them out. You can start that in just a, a peat pot or just any kind of a container with a potting soil mix, and then very carefully lift them out into the into the garden area or, or into your border around the house, something like that, where you really want to want them to grow ultimately. Fascinating plants. If you're buying seed, look for those varieties that produce pollen. The new varieties are pollen-free because people bring them in as cut flowers. They don't want a lot of pollen right. scattered around the house. But you want them outside. You want them to be a contributor to your pollinator-friendly landscape. So look for the old-fashioned varieties, the heirloom varieties, and they're out there all over the place. The giant mammoth seeds, the, the certainly the oil seeds, there are any number of them that do actually have pollen. So spin the packet around, make sure that you... If it's pollen-free, they will usually promote it as pollen-free. So if they make no comment about the pollen, chances are it's it's got plenty of pollen on it. And that, of course, is a food source for all of our bees and the other pollinating insects that are out there doing their job in the landscape, Dave. Are they pretty fast-growing? I mean, if you put them out in uh, June, are you still going to get them uh, you know, within a couple of months to enjoy during the summer? Yeah, you, they do grow uh, relatively okay. quickly. And uh, even if we get off to a late start, uh, they... They respond particularly hot, dry summer. You're going to have to have some moisture for them. You know, they have a, a real interesting growing characteristic. They they do follow the sun, so the head will, as it's emerged, it, uh, and when the plant is young. You know, it's only when the plant is young and the, the stem itself is tender and flexible. We know a little bit about that. Uh, the younger you are, the more flexible that stem is. Right. But it'll actually track the sun as it moves from the east into the west, so it'll actually spin around and track uh, the, the orbit of the sun there, but as soon as that uh, that head gets a little more rigid, you know, it tracks it uh, east to west, and then in the evening it seems to snap back to the east, so it's an interesting kind of a uh, growth habit it has, but as soon as it gets to the juvenile stage, then there's more fiber in that stem, it becomes more rigid, and it, it, it tends to re- remain in the south-southeast position uh, where it can absorb most of the sun. So kind of a fascinating plant. Uh, it, it's got a couple different kinds of flowers in there. If you've got the pollen producing varieties, it's very, very prolific in terms of a pollen producer. And the honeybees, as well as all the other native bees, really love it as a plant. Plus, uh, a lot of variety out there, and they're beautiful in the, in the landscape, Dave. Well, the rotating head reminds me of the movie The Exorcist, and I, I don't want to get into that right now. Well, I even remember that one. That was spooky stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, 927, we'll be back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up here on KDAL. Well, Bob, while we're waiting to plant, I know we got some, uh, well, let's see, some uh, pruning done maybe last week. What else can we be doing in the garden to uh, prepare when it finally gets warmer in this planting season? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we want to rush to the season there particularly. We've got quite a bit of moisture in the in the ground. We're still melting snow, mm-hmm. and uh, compaction is kind of your enemy in the um, in any garden, but wow. particularly our vegetable gardens, because we're going to be in there um, uh, planting. We're going to be in there uh, trucking around and weeding and then harvesting, so we get quite a bit of compaction naturally if we get plenty of moisture. And we've got heavier soils. We've got soils that are clay loams and uh, sandy clay loams and full clays and and uh, we get quite a bit of compaction with that compaction it, it's more difficult for the plants roots to expand so let's stay off there for a while I think probably as you take a little look uh, you're going to be looking at the uh, at the garden and you're going to see more than likely some uh, early green weeds in there and these mm. are the perennial weeds these are the ones you want to get in there and just dig out because uh, they're going to be very difficult to hand weed out later with a hole. So you want to get in there early 
You want to clean that up, get those perennials out, because they've come through the winter. The reason they're going to emerge first is they don't need the warmer soil temperatures uh, to germinate as an annual from seed would need. Uh, the roots are there. They've stored a lot of carbohydrate coming into the fall last year, and they jump out very early. So you'll see any number of perennial weeds, uh, and these can be a, a real problem. They can get real aggressive, and they're very difficult to control later on. Uh, quackgrass might be the, the primary example. Once it gets off and gets growing, it's got these underground stems and rhizomes, stolons right on the surface, and uh, they get very, very, very aggressive, and they choke out um, your your garden crops. It's kind of interesting. Uh, weeds can be uh, very, very destructive in a garden. They rob your uh, garden crops from for moisture, which is probably going to be very critical this year, as well as uh, they can steal sunlight, they can pull nutrients, so they, uh, they're very, very competitive. And because nature abhors a vacuum and doesn't want any open space, uh, these weeds have been gifted with things like long tap roots. And uh, I mentioned the carbohydrates that get stored in these underground stems. So they've got all kinds of survival mechanisms. In many cases, they can grow in a low-fertility soil. So they have a lot of competitive advantages. And that's nature's way of just kind of filling in this bare space. But obviously, you don't want that competition. You know, Dave, it's kind of interesting uh, when we take a look, and there's a lot of been a lot of discussion about uh, now that we're, you know, we've got the situation going over there in in Ukraine, uh, that uh, the world is going to be short of calories. About 13 percent corn production uh, is going to be down globally, and the price of corn here has gone up. And people will ask, why is corn so important? Well, it's it's the basis for all of our animal feed, as well as. Uh, corn syrup and all kinds of other components, extremely productive uh, part of our agricultural food system. And um, in many cases, uh, you know, we've, we've had tremendous yield improvement in our corn crop in southern Minnesota. When we go way back to about the 30s, we were getting about 20 bushels of corn to the acre. Now what are we going to get? 250, 280, 300 bushels of corn to the acre. And that's really been three things. Uh, we really uh, became much more aware of the importance of uh, nutrients and nutrient management, and we're getting, we're really honing that in right now, which is a good thing from an environmental standpoint. Uh, nutrients are very expensive; they've gone up in price. We call these the inputs. Consequently, the farmers, our local farmers as well, are being extremely careful about how fertilizers are being applied. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, automation that's occurring there so that uh, we can actually lay that down very, very precisely based on soil testing and and uh, autonomous uh, driving tractors. I think they're going to come here. Uh, they're here right now, so they're going to be here a lot uh, lot sooner than the automobiles are because there's not too much to run into out there in an open field. So that technology is already in place, and even many of our local farmers are using it, even though they're considerably smaller than some of the farmers uh, a little bit farther south. But the real impetus, impetus there has been the high cost of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium that's needed for, for optimizing production. But, Dave, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the three big things that enhanced yields was use of uh, fertility, uh, and then uh, the hybrid seed has been extremely significant in terms of increasing yields, and then controlling weeds. So weeds, and that's where this discussion started. Weeds are something you really want to think about. And one of the first things you can do as soon as it dries out is you can take care of some of those green perennial weeds. We need the activity. Just get a spade out there and dig them out in the spring of the year, and then they won't cause you any trouble the rest of the season, Dave.
Bob, on TV, I've seen uh, advertisements for what? This big black poly mat with little holes cut into them. Is, is that good for a garden? I mean, I suppose the holes are for where you plant the plants and the rest of the poly will keep the weeds away. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, we use a fair amount of it. It, it is for weed control mm-hmm. and for moisture retention as ah. well. So I think those two components... And, um, you know, the, you can use just a straight poly, about a four mil black poly. If you mm-hmm. use the clear poly, you're going to get a greenhouse effect, and that uh. only enhances the growing environment for weeds. But for most of us, uh, you'll be making your own cuts. You can buy these pre-cut. Right. There are what we call landscape or geotextile fabrics as well that go down. They're a lot tougher, a lot more expensive, but they mm-hmm. can almost be left on the garden in more of a permanent way. Uh. So there's uh, there are trade-offs for both these materials. It's always black in color because we want to uh, control the weeds that germinate. Most uh, weed seed does require light to germinate. Even if it's slightly down in the soil, maybe a quarter an inch, that light tends to permeate down through the soil. Hence the black color, uh, that prevents the seed from germinating. And then if you do have perennial weeds where you you don't have a seed to germinate, it's coming off that uh, the sugars it stored last year. But even there you got green tissue and obviously green tissue without light is not going to last very long either. So particularly effective on uh, annual weed seed, but also on some of these perennial weeds, Dave. Very cool. All right, well, let's take another break. We're at 935. It's the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. Every once in a while, the sun tries to come out, but the snow showers continue in the uh, Twin Ports. We're looking for highs only in the mid to upper 30s today. Keep in mind, we're supposed to be in the mid-50s this time of year. So uh, obviously, uh, Uh spring has been delayed a bit here in the Twin Ports. Boy, it has. I wasn't aware we should be of have average temperature in the 50s right now. Yeah, 54 is the normal high for this time of year. Yesterday well, we had a high of 36. I see. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Dave, I've yeah. got a few of my uh, friends that are snowbirds down in uh, central and <laughs> south Florida, and they said it's getting way too hot, 89, oh, 80, no. 90 degrees down there. So don't we feel sorry for them? Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> too hot, huh? Wow. Actually, yeah, it's getting a little old, and I've said many times I really don't mind. It was an interesting winter. We got that <laughs> wonderful uh, early snowfall, and that's mm-hmm. still kind of fun. The kid comes out, and you know, you know and uh, you don't mind that at all. But when you get the snow flurries in the end of April, not even the beginning yeah. of April, <laughs> needless to say, it's getting a little long, and we're we're already. But when it opens up, it's going to open up uh, certainly very very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Dave. Uh, you know, the the gardening uh, event we had last weekend. We have a great reference book, which I. Sh- Usually we have a few extra over, a few left over that the public can buy if they like. Uh, we went through, because the turnout was so large, we went through all of them. So wow. I guess we don't have a spare book. I'm holding on to my one since I wrote a fair portion <laughs> of it. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hold on to my own, own stuff there. But there's, uh, you know, we talk about composting, and one of our good sponsors there uh, produces a lot of compost, which is great. You know, one time all of the uh, yard waste, this is the uh, tree shrubs, leaves, uh, prunings and so forth went in the uh, landfill and of course it's a valuable resource and uh, they take it and compost it and right. got a good product, their garden green product and uh, one of the, uh, the talks we had on Saturday was on um, how are we going to manage our way through obviously a warming climate hopefully not the warming too fast for us that's one thing where uh, the warmer temperatures have, have not really been extreme for us, we've had some extreme rainfall events but uh, we've had warmer drier conditions and we're assuming that uh, much of this is related to some of the climate change. Of course, there's these natural cycles we're always going to go through anyway, but uh, 
we definitely statistically are getting a little warmer and uh, night and air temperatures and we're getting some of these rainfall events. So the nice thing about getting some compost down into your soil is it will retain moisture and I think that's going to be more critical uh, this year than, than ever. Uh, you know, we got, and we've seen a lot of soil tests, our natural uh, native soils have got organic levels down at one or two percent. We'd like to bring that up to five to six percent if we could. It makes a big difference. It holds the moisture. Uh, compost also releases nutrient. Now it's not uh, maybe an end-all for you because it uh, it has one to two percent nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium depending on uh, the feedstock what went into making the compost. But it's uh, so it is. Uh, there is a nutrient component there, but there's. Uh, it may not be considered nutrient dense. You may still need another uh, fertilizer source, but nonetheless, it's a good organic product. Uh, we've got all this biological activity that goes along with organics, and we can use that certainly to increase the uh, overall organic levels in our soil. So, good products out there. You can certainly compost your own. And we did a little segment on uh, composting simplified, and. Uh, that's, that's a program in and of itself, Dave. We'll go over some of those basic principles, but nonetheless, uh, compost everything you can. Uh, kitchen waste compost, the potato peels, uh, the carrot peelings, uh, certainly uh, you got uh, banana peels and so forth. It just all goes into a bin, and that actually composts down pretty well on its own. It's got the right carbon-nitrogen ratio. There's plenty of moisture there in an open bin like that, plenty of oxygen, the three components we need. So... Uh, you certainly want to compost all of those things. Um, we'll be getting outside pretty quick. The compost piles from last year, if there's plenty of moisture, they froze down through the winter. And they're thawing the process of thawing, so that whole process is going to start again for us. So we want to look at all of what we used to consider waste, table scraps, the yard waste. Right. We now consider it a very valuable component uh, for not just the gardens, but also can be spread certainly on the lawn, but used throughout the landscape, Dave. All right, let's head to the phones. we got a caller this morning, Bob. Hi, who's this? Hello, uh, hello. good morning, Bob. This is, yeah, Jim good morning. this is Jim Peterson from Kelsey area, west of Cotton. Oh, um, great, Jim. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a question about Asian beetles. Um, oh. I know they were introduced by the USDA here some time ago to take care of the aphids and stuff, but my house has been infested with them. Um, oh, I've boy. probably gotten about three to 4,000 of them out of my house this year since November. Is the USDA have a product out there or some way to control these Asian beetles um, <laughs> from the infestation I'm, I'm experiencing? Oh, that's a good question, and um, I've seen a few. I've got a little older place, and... Uh, you know, uh, they overwinter, of course, in the stud walls typically, uh, and uh, then they come to life when things warm up a little bit for us. Um, don't really have a real good solution for you. You know, they were introduced as a biological to control aphids, but you got to be careful about any kind of introduction. We've uh, we got a number of other pests out there. I think a spotted wing drosophila on our raspberry crop, and they're looking to introduce uh, some of wasps to control them. People don't want to use pesticides anywhere right now. and But sometimes you can have uh, create more of a problem than what uh, the problem you're potentially solving, and that may be the case for these Asian beetles. Again, look very similar to a, a lady beetle, a little bit different, but the numbers can get very high. Not real aggressive. Um, and, you know, they can kind of nibble. To say they don't bite is, is not necessarily the case. They can kind of nibble a bit, and they're a big annoyance. I 
I just suggest people just get the uh, shop back out, vacuum everything up, clean them up, and they're not going to be a problem once they come out from the walls. The other solution is, if you can, to seal up uh, windows and any exterior places in the house where it's uh, where it's leaking from the outside so they can't get in. Just really don't have, there are any number of uh, pesticides that would probably take care of them, uh, maybe on the outside, none of which are labeled for use on the inside. So I think uh, it's just, uh, you know, I'm not going to like this. There's no easy solution, but just uh, tolerate them. They're annoying. Get the shop back out, uh, vacuum them on a regular basis, and then try to seal up, do whatever you can on the exterior of the house to help with fuel bills. Fuel being as expensive as it is quite right now as well. But uh, it's been kind of my approach, and then uh, not let them bug you, so to speak. I know you didn't you didn't you didn't want that kind of response, but that that's about where we're at with that test. Well, that, that's okay, Bobby. At least was able to ask a question, and, and you took the time to answer it. So, well, boy, I appreciate the fact you called. Uh, things pretty cool out there in the cotton area. Uh yeah, we've got a nice light white dusting of snow again this morning. So, um, uh, you know, everybody says we have four seasons up here, but I'm thinking it's about twelve or thirteen now with the white and the green here, as much as we've had snow on and off. So. <laughs> I, I, t- I tend to agree. The other couple of uh, shoulder seasons are going to be a little short this year, aren't they? Mm. Sure, sure. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Um, get out there in the garden, and hopefully they don't uh, uh, annoy you too much, those Asian beetles. Mm. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, 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 I've had the issue with those as well, getting into the house for some reason or another. This year, not so much. So. Does, um some of the newer home construction, you know, mm-hmm. they, they sneak in from the outside, and uh, some of the newer home construction, of course, uh, where houses are very, very tight, tight to the point where you need an air exchanger to get right. some oxygen <laughs> in there. Uh, they're probably the only folks that haven't experienced these, and they can even get through open windows, open doors. Yeah. But someone's uh, right. Uh, they were introduced as a control, a biological control. And I mentioned we've got other pests, and um, we've got researchers everywhere looking for biological yeah. controls because uh, we don't have to use any pesticides that way. But there certainly can be some unexpected consequences, as they say, Dave. Yeah, now we need the biological control on the Asian beetles, too. What do we, what do we <laughs> get we to do. get rid of those? Heavens, yeah, but I don't know what, <laughs> what that introduction might All be. All right. So, well, it's never-ending, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, we'll take another break. 946, the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. Still snow showers, still cool. 23 Airport, 27 downtown and in Superior at this point. Uh, Plenty of rain again over the weekend. It was a a rainy weekend, and that, of course, uh, cuts down on the fire danger as well as help uh, eliminate the drought that we've been experiencing. But not so, as you mentioned, in other places. uh, they got some pretty nasty wildfires going on in Nebraska where a prairie fire has killed one person, destroying a half a dozen structures and 70 square miles of land. Firefighters making some progress yesterday. Uh, firefighters also having problems, I guess, down further south in uh, Arizona uh, and uh, also uh, Southern California, I would imagine. So there you go. I guess we won't have to worry about wildfires, at least for a while. No, I think that's right. And, uh, of course, with the cool weather, the buds really haven't broken mm. yet. They're in, in some places, uh, I know I'm beginning to see some bud break, but all that's delayed as soon as the buds break, of course. Uh, typically, the fire danger goes down rather dramatically, but in the meantime, uh, we've had some moisture. So we're fortunate that way. You know, uh, you reminded us there, Dave. I don't think I'd like it hot and dry and, and brush <laughs> fires and wildfires right. around. And Boy, this is April. You can 
imagine what might be happening in July and August. So we're really pretty fortunate that way. Uh, cooler and moister in many ways is better. All right, back to the uh, phones, Bob. Here we got another caller. Sure. Who's this? Hello, this is Carol. Hi. Hi, Hi Carol. Yeah, I'm calling um, with a question on my amaryllis plant. Sure. I, I had gotten it um, last fall and bloomed real nicely, and now I'm waiting for it to bloom again. But all I've got are the the long leaves, the greenery, and yes. no, um, it doesn't. I can't believe that there's a flower that's going to be coming out of this at this point, and I'm wondering what to do with it now. If I should cut it down again or what? Oh boy, I'm glad you called because uh, you don't want to cut it down at this point. Those long strap leaves. And for folks that are not aware of this, in, in the fall of the year, we, we plant up a bulb, we, we uh, add some water to it, and we get a, a very, very nice bloom. And I'm assuming you had a single-stock bloom, or did you have a multi-stock bloom there? Um, Multi-flowers on a single-stock, maybe? Yes, that's what it, what it, yeah, it is. And they are beautiful. They will rebloom for you, but you're going to have to give them some time. So what you want to do is you never want to cut those back. You want to keep all those strap leaves. Now, occasionally, some of those strap leaves will die back. They'll turn yellow. Uh, they're just getting old, and anything that, that goes down that way, you can just trim off. But the the strap leaves, this is where all of the chlorophyll is. It's where all the sugars are going to be produced. So what we want is we want to find a warm, sunny southern location. If you're going to keep it in the house, which most of us do, uh, that's where I have it now. Pardon me? That's where I have it now, in the southwest window. Wonderful. That's great. Uh, you want to give it as much sun. They're sun lovers. You're going to grow it through the entire season, so it's going to stay there uh, right up until about October. And you'll watch it a little bit. You use your, uh, what we call a, uh, your moisture meter, your index finger, and make sure if it's getting dry about uh, an inch down, make sure that you uh, give it plenty of water. As the days get longer, and we're at that point, we want some fertility there as well. So you'll come in and use what we call a water-soluble fertilizer. You can get this at any lawn and garden shop or certainly at uh, one of our sponsors, Dan's. They've got plenty of water-soluble fertilizers. That's this uh, typically colored powder material, about a tablespoon and a gallon of water. Water it through first thoroughly and then come over the top uh, with some water-soluble fertilizer. So we want that green tissue to really grow because that's going to be the factory it's going to produce all the sugars that will form a bulb for you, a flower bulb, down in the bulb portion of the plant. So um, you're going to be the most successful getting these reblooming if you have a good sunny southern location and if you've encouraged not excessive growth but good strong growth through the entire growing season. So we're not looking for flowers at this point. We're just looking for good green growth. We're going to grow it all the way into October, maybe even the end of October, and then we're going to stop everything. We're going to stop all the watering. Uh, you can even put it someplace where there's very, very low light, and you're just going to let that bulb sit. It has to sit for about uh, 30, 60 days, and then you'll have the bulb, and all the strap leaves will die off on you, and then maybe uh, about Christmas time or so, you can add water to it again, and then once you start to water it, it starts to grow. That bulb, which you form during the summer, will reemerge. Uh, the flower bud will emerge. You'll get a stalk, and you get the beautiful flowers as well as the strap leaves. And then we 
repeat this process annually. So you can get them to bloom once a year, but the, the real key, again, is good, solid growth during our summer growing months. Make sense to you? Okay. Yeah. Should I leave it in the same lot that it came in, the small pot? You certainly can. Eventually, uh, if it continues to grow, and you can you can tell if you're getting uh, if you're getting multiple stems or if it's getting crowded. You've got uh, roots that are either coming out the drain hole in the bottom or up on the surface. At some point, we can we can repot them. But probably what you're going to do is you're going to take that bulb, uh, let it go right now, grow through the entire season, and then uh, if you want to repot, you can repot it into a slightly larger pot, about one inch increase in diameter. But that we're going to wait until that uh, period after it's died back, maybe in uh, in November or something like that. The bulb itself will put into a larger container. We don't want to interrupt with it night right now, because if you transplant at this point, uh, we're going to stop that growth uh, for a while with transplant shock, and we want it to continue to grow so it so it can form a real nice flower bud down in that bulb for next year. Okay. And how often should I water it now? Well, you want to you want to check it out and use your index finger, stick it down in the soil. Uh, if it's uh, dr- it's going to be dry on the surface, but when it gets dry down about an inch, let's water it thoroughly at that point and uh, make sure it it continues to have water on a regular basis. Mm. All right, thanks for the call. Oh, all right, thank you. You okay, bet. Thank you. Nine fifty-five. You just got to have a little patience. It sounds like, and it'll uh, bloom again for you. It will bloom again, and um, you know I've had some that are. Man, they're ten years old and they're blooming every year. But <laughs> wow. uh, you've got to—they're—they're uh, they're wonderful, wonderful gifts. The bloom is magnificent. I mean, mm. there's a great, there's a great deal of variability. Uh, typically, they're orange or red, but we got multicolored varieties. We've mm. got some white and red varieties. Uh, so they've, the breeders have selected a lot of beautiful amaryllis. Great plant, easy plant, great holiday gift plant. And uh, something that will—that's a gift that, if you manage it properly, right. will continue to uh, to give for years. But again, never cut those strap, strap leaves back if they went, if and when they die back. That's one thing, but never cut back that new lush green growth. Uh, that's what's going to produce next year's flower. All right, nine fifty-six. One more break. We'll be back to wrap up the Bob Olin show next. Wrapping up the Bob Olin show. We might have time for a real quick question. I was this. Hi, this is Jan from Carlson. Okay. Uh, rutabagas. I have a little trouble growing them. Can you just give me a few tips? They kind of were misshapen underground, extra roots, that kind of thing. Well, we're going to rutabagas, sure. They're, yeah, that's interesting because there seems to be renewed interest in, in vegas. Uh, you're going to direct seed those. Once again, it's competition from the weeds, so a good weed-freed area, and we're going to be able to very fine seed. We just put them in the ground and uh, spread them out and let them grow. Make sure you got good fertility, but weed-free, and you're going to be seeding those maybe about uh, about uh, mid-June or so. All right, very good. Hey, Bob, we got to wrap things up. We got more snow flurries as I look outside today. Uh, we are yes, expecting we warmer temperatures by the weekend. We'll be back to close to normal, but that'll be in inland locations. Cooler temps near the lake. It looks like for the weekend too. So we always have to worry about that until about June when things start warming up downtown. <laughs> We might be uh, glad we got in the summer day, but uh, thanks to all of our callers. It was a it was an interesting program mm-hmm. on Saturday and good day today. Thank you, Dave. You bet. Catch you again next Tuesday. The Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located in Dan's Feed Bent in Superior, and by WLSSD's Garden Green.
compost you'll dig. 